we've had a few weeks break uh, in our series on Colossians, but uh, today we're coming back to it, and we're going to finish off uh, chapter 3. Um, seems a long time since we started this. We've had a number of key events that have uh, interrupted it, um, but that's church life. And uh, I just want to briefly recap on the main thrust of the letter, and then we'll move into what God says uh, again today. Chapter 1, Paul reminded the Colossians of the supremacy of Christ, that he was all-powerful and that all things were beneath his feet. And for any Christian, that's a good place to start. We need to see how great and how mighty and how powerful our God is. Paul then took them through the work of Christ and what Christ had done for them. That because of Jesus, they were made new. Because of Jesus, their sins had been dealt with. And it was that whole area of life in Christ, being made alive, being made new. Not only is he supreme, but he makes us new. He makes a difference. And that we are raised with Christ. We no longer live to our old desires, but we are a new creation. We've been transformed. And then in chapter 3, Paul takes them from this wonderful journey of discovery to what it means to live in Christ. What does it mean to live in Christ? Well, we saw, didn't we, early on in chapter 3, that we must rid ourselves of all evil, all things like anger, rage, malice, slander. Don't lie. You have taken off your old self with all its practices. And then Paul takes them into, if you're not to be that, what are you to be? And then that wonderful, wonderful passage where we are God's chosen people, dearly loved, and we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, patience, love, all of these wonderful virtues. We become like Christ. We clothe ourselves with Christ. And that's a wonderful journey. Paul shows us who God is, what he has done, and how we have been made new how we are different and the challenge that goes through the whole letter is that if God is God if God has done all this we must change you cannot read Colossians and be unmoved by it you cannot read Colossians and say oh that applies to somebody else if God is God then we change and we respond to his call. We put off our old nature and we put on the new. And as I've read, to be clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. These are, these are key things. And I think the last um, ser uh, sermon, we, we finished on, on, this, on this verse, which is going to come up now. And it's verse 17, which I think is is a key verse as we move now into the next section. It says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, there is nothing you do that does not include 
the name and the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Brings us crashing down to earth now. We've seen who Christ is. We've seen what he's done. We, we know we need to change and be transformed. But, but Paul turns the screw in verse 18. Because what he does, what, what he does to bring us crashing down to earth is he said, and if that's what you've got to be, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like in your day-to-day. He gives a practical application of what the Lordship of Jesus Christ means in our home and in our work life. That's where the real us comes out. When we shut the front door, when we are not on public display, that's the real you. And Paul says, but even in your home, even in your work, even in things outside of a Sunday, all is to be done for the glory and in the name of the Lord. There's a quote I came across recently. It's attributed to Mother Teresa when she received the Nobel Peace Prize. She didn't actually say these words, but it's a paraphrase of her speech. And the challenge she said was that if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Because that's where it begins. When you shut your front door, if you want to change the world, love your family. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. And Paul, in this passage, is applying that. And he's saying, if Jesus is supreme, and if he's made you new, if he's transformed you, if you are a new creation, we know what that means for you. But what does it mean for how you are in your work and in your home? And that's what we're going to read through together now. So I think the words of the passage will come up. And I'm going to start at verse uh, 17 and then just finish uh, the rest of the chapter. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. Masters, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is who we are at home and in work. And the first point I want to make is that if Christ is supreme, 
if he is God, then we must mirror his character in our day-to-day. The point is this. We must be people of love and people of humility. That's the context for this passage. Everything must be read in that context of love and humility. As God has loved us, so we must love one another. And it begins with husbands and wives and children and family and work. And it begins with relationships and friendships. We can broaden the context here because it applies to all of these things. Because those that are closest to us know the real you and the real me. Mutual submission are the clothes that God's people wear. Mutual submission are the clothes that God's people wear. In Philippians 2 and verse 7, talking of Jesus, said, who being in very nature God, very nature God, made himself nothing. God made himself nothing for us. He became, he took on the form of a servant for you and for me. That's our Lord. That's our sovereign. That's our king. That's what he did for us. Mutual submission is what we are called to do and to be. Within our relationships, we submit. We put the other person first. It's very simple, isn't it? And yet, it's the one thing we struggle most with. Because the I, the ego, the me, the what's in it for me, the oh, I don't want to suffer loss, that, that old nature fights against us day by day. In relationships, in work, in all sorts of areas. Mutual submission. Put the other person first. As Christ put us first, Paul is saying, we need to submit, we need to love, we need to have that love and humility wrapped around everything that we do. And it's not because we're weak. Jesus wasn't weak. Jesus was strong. But he took the nature of a servant for you and me. It's not weakness, it's strength. It's, it's Jesus we're serving. As we serve husbands or wives or family members, it is Jesus we are serving. See, the focus for Jesus' whole life was his death. That's why he came. He came to die. He came to serve. He, he came to give his life for us. He laid down his own life. And we submit to each other because we're submitting to Christ. As he put us first and suffered for us, we must put him first. And in all of these things, love and humility must be the watchword, must be what guards our hearts and our souls. To deny self is the hardest thing to do. 
to serve others, to put them first, is the hardest thing to do. But even the world has wisdom here. In a leadership and management book that I came across recently, it was uh, called Leaders Eat Last. And the writer was inspired by um, the American army and the Marines. And the, the core Marine unit leader would only eat when his men were catered for. He would be the last to eat. That was the culture. Because it was the leader putting his followers first, putting his men first. And he, he, he devised a whole book about leadership must be about caring for people, looking after people. He ripped off the Bible because it's all here. These, that's, that's the principles of the gospel. That, that's what Jesus came for. That we're not here to lord it over one another. We're here to serve. And that's, that means denying self. That means missing out. That means inconvenience. But it's, it's the gospel. It's, it's what the New Testament church should be. Let's have a look at the words of Jesus in Mark 10. Jesus again talking to his followers. And he said, not so with you, not to lord it over people. That's the context here. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Subversive submission. Society today is all about the individual, all about my rights, what I deserve. The Bible is countercultural. If you look at the one another's through the Bible, love one another, bear with one another, care for one another, it goes on and on and on. If ever you want to do a study, look at the one another's, because that is. That is the sharp end of what we must be like. I've covered love and humility because that is the basis for all of our relationships. And the important thing to mention is that in any relationship we have, Christ is central. Christ is the center of any relationship between a husband and a wife, between parents and children, between uh, your, your parents, your grandchildren. Christ is central in all of those relationships. He has to be because he lives within you. He must be the invited guest. He must have the supremacy in all of our lives. But if we are to be people that are full of love and humility, the second point is that we are called to honor one another, to honor each other. And in verse 18, Paul says, yes, 
Christ is central. We do everything for him. And now this is what it looks like. He said, wives, honor your husbands with your conscious submission. That's a powerful thing to say. That as we submit to Christ, there is this conscious submission in your relationship with your husband. As is fitting in the Lord. It's not just a good idea or something that Paul dreamed up. He said, this is fitting in the Lord. That you honor your partner and you submit consciously. You let go of control. Because relationships are not battlegrounds. They are partnerships where Christ is right in the middle. And we need to, when we're looking at our other half, we need to just recognize in our spirits that Christ is there, in the middle. That Christ is who we serve. And as he's fitting in the Lord, we want relationships that will reflect him and his glory. Husbands, honor your wives with love. Bestow love upon them. Not, oh, how can I get advantage here? How can I work this so that I'm, I'm coming out on top? No. Love. Paul in Ephesians 5 goes on further, and he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This isn't just, oh, I quite like you. This is a powerful, passionate love. As Christ loved the church, husbands, so love your wives. He goes on to say in verse 28, as you love your own bodies, love your wives. As you love yourself. This is elevating love to such an extraordinary level. The world has no concept of it. But this is God's love. And this is what he's asking us to do. To listen, to be kind, to be gentle. To put each other first. To love with all our hearts as unto the Lord. To love with passion and, and just a fullness that you want the best for the other person. You see, the loving thing isn't to take. The loving thing is to give. To give of yourself. To serve. And that must be our heart. The Bible tells us what love is. It shows us in Jesus. We see what love is. Even unto death. Serving one another. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it says some amazing things about the power of and the passion of love, true love. And a wise person once told me that when I read this, instead of reading love, put your own name. Because that really brings it home. So if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read a few verses, and I'm going to put my own name. But when you hear my name, I want you to put your name. Phil is patient. Phil is kind. Phil does not envy, and Phil does not boast. He is not proud, 
Phil does not dishonor others, and he's not self-seeking. Phil is not easily angered. Phil keeps no record of wrongs. Phil does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Phil always tries to protect, always trusts, he always hopes, and he always perseveres. I feel a bit condemned, but that's love. That's God's love, and that's the love that each and every one of us must have in our relationships. As parents, we nurture and care for our children with compassion. We encourage, we guide, we inspire. We discipline in love, not in anger. There's so much here. But I want to move on from home life to work life. It's where we spend a lot of our time. We we work for our employers, don't we? And where it's got slaves, if we can update that with um, employees, I think you'll get the gist of what Paul is trying to say. That we work for our employers diligently, with effort and commitment. Because we are working for God, as it says in verse 24. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. It's an unusual title for Jesus, the Lord Christ. It's only found twice in the whole Bible. Paul uses it twice. He uses it in Romans 16, and he uses it here in Colossians chapter 3. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. And both times is referencing serving the Lord Jesus. It's an attitude of servanthood to a position of authority. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. Paul is emphasizing Jesus' position of authority. He isn't just Jesus. He is Jesus the Lord, the Lord of the universe. That's, that's the one we're serving. When we go to work on Monday, we are serving the Lord Christ. Not that irritating person in the office down the corridor. Not that colleague who is our line manager who winds us up every other minute. We are serving the Lord Christ. It puts a whole new perspective on our work relationships because we're doing it for him. Make serving the Lord Christ your focus, not your earthly bosses. Employees, we have, we have a role to play. We need to honor the Lord in what we do. It goes on, doesn't it? It talks about masters. Well, we can read that a number of ways. It could be people that own their own businesses and employ people. 
It could be um, if you're line managing somebody, if you have a team under you. If you are in a position of authority in a working environment, we're charged to care for those under us, colleagues. We're charged to do what is right and not what is most profitable. We're charged to put Jesus as Lord in how we deal with those we employ or those under us. It's a very important dynamic because servant leadership extends even to those under our authority. In a work context, it's about how we handle those relationships with others. I'm going to finish with a final quote. You can easily judge the character of a person by how they treat those who can do nothing for them. That's how we judge a person's character. That's how God looks at us. How are we with those that can do us absolutely nothing? They can't benefit us one iota. How do we deal with them? How do we deal with those that can't do any positive things for us, but we still need to be as Christ to them? To do what is just and fair, why? Because we serve Jesus. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. And it is the Lord Christ we serve in our marriages, in our homes, in our relationships, in our friendships. It is the Lord Christ we serve in our workplace. It's all for him. We cannot get away from that. If you take Christ out of your Monday to Friday, what a terrible place to be. He must be Lord. Christ must be central in your home. He must govern all of our relationships. So there it is. Right through our Christian life, home, and work, serve each other. Love and humility. Mutual submission. Subversive submission. It's a revolution. That's what God is calling us to be, revolutionaries. Not to live by the standards of this world, but to live by the standards of His Word. To live in the fullness of His Holy Spirit. To strive to be more like him and to have him as Lord in everything and every aspect. Ask yourself, how can I be different? What can I do in my home this week? What can I do in my work this week? Begin to examine your hearts. What difference must this make? When the word of God shines a light into each and every one of our hearts, What's, what's our response? Whatever we do, whoever we work for, whoever is watching or not watching, don't be a Sunday Christian. Please don't be a Sunday Christian. Be a Christian all week, wherever God takes you.
because it is the Lord Christ we're serving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is powerful. I thank you that it shines the light of your holiness and righteousness into each and every one of our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, that you reach out to us, that you want a vibrant relationship with each and every one of us, that you want to be central in our relationships, in our lives, in our workplaces, everything we do, wherever we go. What you want to be central. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you give each of us the courage this week to make you the Lord Christ in our marriages, in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever you take us. Help us to honor you, to submit to each other, to love each other with a passion. Oh Lord, would you bring this revolution of grace to each and every one of our hearts? A revolution of grace, Lord, that you by your Spirit are reaching into each and every one of us and changing us and challenging us and, and prompting us. Lord, you love us too much for us to stay the same. And I ask, O oh Lord, by your grace, that you would transform each and every heart and life. Lord, help us to be more like you and help us to honor the Lord Christ in every area of our lives. Lord, give us this courage. Give us this desire. Give us this boldness, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.